Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Second Corinthians chapter number two is where we'll be reading our text from here this morning. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter number two. And we'll begin there with verse one, but I determined this is the Apostle Paul writing this with with myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness for if I make you sorry who is he then that maketh me glad but the same which is made sorry by me I wrote this same unto you lest when I came I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many so that contrarywise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And I want you to pay close attention to that last verse, verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And I want to preach maybe an unusual title here at first, but just let me connect the dots here this morning. I want to preach what I have on my heart, and that is rejecting the devil's brand. Rejecting the devil's brand. Let's lift up our hands and our voices to the Lord, and let's pray that God would help us today. Jesus, we do need you. We need your strength, your anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost to Enable us today, empower us today in your word to preach what you had placed on our heart. God, help us to convey it in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need you, Lord, to intervene here this morning. 
touch and minister to every heart and life. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And could somebody help me praise again the name of the Lord this morning? Oh, let's really lift up the name of the Lord today. I thank you. I worship you. I give praise to you, Lord. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Now, I don't know much about farming or cattle or being really much of a cowboy. I I do own a few pair of boots and enjoy wearing them from time to time, although I don't enjoy wearing them as much as some people do. But um, I, early on in my evangelizing, had the privilege of preaching for a man in southeast Texas, in Buna, Texas, to be exact, a man by the name of Brother Gary Sylvester. And uh, Pastor Sylvester has since retired, but um, he pastored the church there for many years, and he had a reputation when he invited evangelists by. You didn't just preach for him. But you got the opportunity, whether or not, I don't know if you could call it an opportunity, but uh, you, you had the chance to work for him. And during the day, I, just, I guess he thought that it wasn't enough that you preached and, and prepared and prayed and sought God for the services at night, but he, he wanted to get a little bit more for his money, I suppose. And so every day he had a list of chores, and we would go out and do them, we cleared fences. We, uh, after clearing fences, we picked red bugs and uh, all the other things go along with that. And, and uh, I bucked hay. I, I hadn't done much of that in my life. And uh, then uh, we rode horses and gathered cattle and all kinds of different things. So it was quite an experience. And one of the chores that we did, he said, uh, uh, I want to brand a few of my cows today. And I was a little interested in that. I'd never seen that before. Now, his style of branding was a little bit different than the old style of branding where they take a hot iron and sear it into the skin of the cow or the bull. But this particular method was that it was freeze branding, and it was some type of chemical reaction. It would go in and... Uh, basically had the same effect, although uh, when the brand had healed up or the, uh, the place that was inflicted on the cow had healed up, then uh, it would cause a discoloration of the hair and it would be just a white brand on its hair on the side of the cow. And so it was a nice way of putting your brand on. And, and uh, he said, but I, the one that I, I want and that I've chosen for us to brand here today, he said, is my bull. Well, that immediately spiked my attention because I had seen that bull in the field and it didn't look at all too friendly to me. And so he brought it into the corral, but, you know, that was still too big for us to get up close to him. And so he said, we've got to run him into this chute and hold him in there. And uh, he said, then we'll brand him. And we got him into the chute, and I guess it was too tight uh, for his liking and and the bull, of course, was going wild. I don't know if he knew what was going on. He knew it wasn't good. He had been in the chute before. I could, I could see. And uh, so he was trying, trying to get loose and trying to get out. And uh, it was quite an ordeal. And he said, well, we got this thing a little bit too tight. 
He said, maybe it'd settle down a little bit if we loosened it up. And he had all the branding stuff there. And, uh, and he had me with an electronic, some type of hot poker thing that, that if you put it up against the cow, it shocked the cow. And um, I was holding that in my hand almost in self-defense in case the thing got out. And when he loosed, loosened the, the chute just a little bit, that's exactly what happened. To our dismay, that bull got out of that chute and was loose in the corral that we were standing in. So we were fenced in with the bull. But it didn't take me long to find the fence and to start climbing over it. But the only problem was I had this, this hot shocker in my hand as I was climbing the fence in a hurry. And I was a lot faster back then than Brother Gary Sylvester was. And uh, all I could hear was, he, he, drop, drop the shocker, drop the shocker. He was trying to come up the fence behind me, but he was almost as afraid of the shocker as he was the bull because I had it in my hands. So it was quite a comic type situation that was going on. Uh, long story short, we survived that instance and we were able uh, and we managed to put a brand on the cow. And it's a brand that stays there, I suppose, for the rest of that cow's life. And so I begin to think about that relative to our scripture here this morning. I want to give you just a little background about this particular passage. Really, this story that I'm referring to in the scripture and what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 2 begins way back in the first epistle that he wrote to the Corinthian church, which was a church, I might add, that he started. And you can tell that he has a burden and he has a desire for this particular church to succeed. You can see this in his writing. He talks about crying tears over them and carrying a burden and being heavy for them. And that when he was admonishing them, it wasn't something that he necessarily enjoyed doing. But he knew it was best for them and he wanted what was best for them. I'm going to tell you, anybody that gets a sick pleasure out of admonishing and correcting uh, people, that's, that's, that's not a very loving or considerate or uh, compassionate man of God. But somebody that loves even in correcting which is necessary there's going to be a, a burden with it there's going to be evidence of compassion that goes along with it and so Paul expresses that he had had to correct some things that he had heard that was going on at the Corinthian church and he points out one particular young man in in the church that was involved in grievously and I might add gross sin and uh, those of you that have read through the first uh, book of Corinthians, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. The fornication that this man was involved in was uh, of a terrible sort. And he had told them because of this gross immorality and unthinkable sin that was taking place to separate themselves from him. Don't have anything to do with him. Don't eat with him. Don't fellowship him. And I could stop there and preach perhaps the rest of my time here this morning of how important it is for us to be careful on those that have went away from God and are in a backslidden condition, how much we stay connected to them 
can have an impact upon our lives living for God and how important it is that we separate ourselves if need be from those people so that we can be saved. Well, I didn't get many amens this morning, but it's still the truth because it's the Word of God. Whether or not you agree with it this morning or not, whatever the Word of God says, that's what we need to go with. Amen? And Paul said, in this person's case, they are backslidden, they're involved in immorality, and I don't want you to have anything to do with them. I don't care how much you've cared for them and loved them in the past. You need to turn them over to God. Let God deal with them. Get out of the way and let God begin to deal with their hearts and minds so that they can be saved. In other words, you don't need to protect them. You don't need to take up for them. You don't need to defend them in their immorality. You need to let God deal with them. Do you understand where I'm coming from this morning? Maybe I need to sure up this point a little bit further here this morning and let you to know that we don't need to protect people that are in sin. We don't need to defend people that are in sin by saying, well, everybody does that and everybody has their time and everybody sows their wild. No, everybody don't sow their wild oats. Neither does anybody or everybody have to sow their wild oats. Praise the Lord. You can live for God. You can serve the Lord faithfully. You can serve the Lord completely. You can be committed to God throughout the days of your life. You can be protected from the scars of sin. And you don't have to allow yourself to fall in the entrapments of the devil. The Bible said to make your calling and election sure. And when you do, you will never have to fall. That's how powerful the gospel is. Now, I understand that people do fall, and I'm going to get to that in just a moment. I do know that people make mistakes, and people trip up, and people get ensnared by the enemy. But it isn't something that they have to do. Amen. If I didn't believe that, I'd close this book I'm preaching out of this morning and stop preaching if I didn't believe the gospel was powerful enough to keep you because it does keep us. I said it does keep us. I don't have to go to the world. I don't have to make those choices. I, I don't have to live in sin. I don't have to get involved in those things. Oh, somebody ought to praise the Lord here this morning. And, and so really through the, the first book of Corinthians, you're seeing how that he is admonishing them. Don't get in the way of God. Let God deal with that individual. Let them come to themselves. And then he comes back in this second book, right here almost immediately from the get-go after he welcomes them and after he uh, gives his uh, welcoming type uh, verses there at the beginning in the first chapter and he talks about a few things. He jumps right into the heart of what he wants to say. And he says, I'm going to address that situation with that young man that we spoke of. And I wrote to you before with, with a burdened heart, telling you what I felt like needed to be done. But since that time, evidently, God had dealt with. They had done what the Apostle Paul had asked them to do. They had broke fellowship with this young man. They had given him over to the Lord to deal with. And God had evidently dealt with him, and he had came to himself and came to the realization that I am in sin and I need to correct this problem in my life. And I need to deal with this and I want to repent of it. And so 
he begins to tell them how that they need to restore this person back to the church and that they need to give him opportunity to be restored back among that congregation and, and fellowship him and pray with him and help him in his recovery. And this is the reason that he gives in verse 7. He said, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Now, it's one thing to be disappointed. And it's one thing to get discouraged. And it's even one thing to become depressed for a little while. I don't think anybody escapes that necessarily in life. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have times of discouragement. And you may have times of, of being a little bit depressed as we like to term it. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're oppressed of the enemy. That doesn't mean that you're, uh, something's wrong with you or that you're an individual that's anything other than just a human being. Because that's part of living life. That's part of, that's part of the journey here. And I wish that even those of us that have the Holy Ghost were totally inoculated from disappointment. But that's not the case. That's not the way it is. We all have disappointments in life and situations uh, that occur in life and setbacks and, and uh, some problems that we all have to deal with. But it's quite another thing. It's quite another thing for us to be swallowed up in sorrow and for despair to set in. What do you mean despair? I'm talking about utter hopelessness. And feeling like there's no way that I can recover. This is just something that I have to accept. This is just the way it is. This is just my lot in life. I, I'm never going to overcome this. I'm never going to do better than this. This is the very best that I can do. This is the maximum of my potential. This is far as I'll ever go in life. Despair. And let me just tell you something. Satan is in the business of searing that upon people's minds. Satan is in the business of burning that into the consciousness of people. Amen. He wants to destroy any hope that you might have of recovering. He wants to restore any hope that you might have of living for God, of being anything for God, of really living an overcoming life, of being victorious. You think, he wants you to think that because of your failures and because of your mistakes and because of past troubles that you've had, that you'll never be anything for God. But I'm going to tell we got a God that is bigger than all of that. He's bigger than sin. He's bigger than the things that has ensnared you. He's bigger than the things that has knocked you down. Amen. I remember the words of the prophet who said, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. You better hold off on your celebration, hell, because I'm going to get back up. I'm going to recover. I'm going to make another run at it. I'm going to be restored in my relationship with God. And so Paul, referring to this man, that had made some horrible mistakes and committed grievous sin. 
closes his thought out by saying in verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Devil, I've said this before, is always looking for an advantage. Always looking for something he can hang over your head. Always looking for something he can beat you down about. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have experienced it when you've wanted to worship God. And you've heard that little whispering voice in your ear. Because as sure as God can speak to people, the devil also can remind people. And he can even use other people to speak to you. Amen. And tell you, you're not worthy. You're no good. You can't live for God. You'll never make nothing. You, you, you just have to accept that that's the way. The same devil that lured you in. The same devil that set the snare in the first place. That tempted you. The same devil that set the trap. That sprung on you. And got you in this mess in the first place. Is the same one that turns around. Almost from a righteous standpoint. And points his finger of accusation. The Bible said he's the accuser of the brethren. And he wags his finger in your face. And says look at you. What a failure. What a miserable person you are. Look at you. You stepped right in a trap. Look at you. You're no stronger. You're no better. You're no more victorious than anybody else in the world. Look at you. You're supposed to have the Holy Ghost. Look at you. You're supposed to be a child. Look at you. You're supposed to be somebody that professes to be a Christian. Look at you. Look at what you did. Look at what you have become. Look at what a mess you have made. And he tries to put his brand on you of hopelessness. He tries to sear it into you that this is the way it is. And this is what I'll always be. And this is just my lot. And this is what I have to accept. And can I tell you, the devil is building a brand. Amen. He really is. He wants people to not be able to think outside of the limitations that he poses upon them. He wants people to not be able to think outside of the limitations that he has placed upon their mind. Uh, anytime the preacher preaches about revival, we get to thinking, well, you know, maybe maybe elsewhere, but not, not here, not my family, not me. You can believe that if you want to. But I believe that God is able to give revival that he has promised in his word that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Come on. Is that, does that make any distinction about your family, your situation, the people you're praying for? No. All flesh. If God is able to heal anybody and restore anyone and fill anybody with the Holy Ghost, he's able to do it for you and answer your prayers and work in your family, work in this church, work upon, amen, those that you've been praying for. Amen. Nobody needs to accept the limitations imposed by the enemy. Nobody needs to just sit back and say, well, that's the way it is. I might as well fold my hands and get along with it in life but you didn't realize that's a that's a brand that I'm going to reject I'm not going to accept that amen come on lift up your hands and let's praise the Lord here this morning hallelujah
Charles uh, Stanley, who's written a lot of religious books, some I agree with and most I don't, but uh, anyway, uh, he, he told a story about how that he went over to the country of Hong Kong, which is Hong Kong, China now, and he was touring around and and one day when he was just free to, to look around the city, and if you know anything about nautical history, you know that that's been a seaport and a place of imports and exports for years. And so he was there, and he was looking around, and he saw what was a very famous tattoo parlor. Now, we understand we, we get people in the church that have prayed through the Holy Ghost, and while they were in the world, they got tattoos. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, we're probably going to see more of it in the future. Not that it's a good thing, but that's reality, and that's the way it is. I never have understood it really myself, why anybody would want to do that, but it happens, and, and so it is, and that's just the way it is. And, and, and we, we know that that's a part of sin, and it's hold on people's lives, and and we want to pray and see them restored. But this, uh, he walked into this tattoo parlor and he sees all these things on the wall, sayings and pictures that people have tattooed on their body. And uh, he sees all kinds of different things that people choose. And, and he, he's looking and he notices something that astonishes him. There is in writing there very legibly he can read it it says born loser and he is just taken aback by it he asks the little Asian man that runs the parlor he said are you telling me that you've actually tattooed this on people's bodies and I'm not making fun of an accent just to push the point home this morning he said oh yes yes many many times many times he said what would cause a person to put that born loser tattoo it on their body and he said oh he said before tattooed on the body tattooed on the mind I'm going to tell you, the devil is a tattoo artist, and he tries to get it in people's minds. You're a loser. You're wretched. You'll never become anything. Oh, but again, I've got a God that's bigger than all of that. I said he can deliver. He can change things. He can heal he can totally restore. Amen. And, and while the devil is working to swallow people up in sorrow, while the devil is trying his best to cause people to feel like there's no use trying and it's a hopeless situation, there's a God in heaven that's pulling the other way the whole time saying, hey, there's hope over here. Amen. There's, there's forgiveness over here. There's mercy over here. There, there's strength over here. There's overcoming power over here. There's ability to change over here. 
You know, not only does, does people get things seared into their consciousness, but, but nations and cultures and countries of the world can even do that. You, you can get things branded on your mind that can bind you and, and hold you back. There was a time when, when much of the modern world, mostly in Europe, which was then what was considered the uh, where, where, where most people of the modern world lived at that time, they they believed they 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 it was just seared into their consciousness that the world was flat. Nobody could tell them any different. That they just felt like that's the way it was. Matter of fact, on their maps, uh, they had written in Latin some words that simply meant nothing beyond. In other words, beyond Spain, there's, there's nothing out here. There's nothing to explore. There's nothing more. It's all. And, and so ships would, would sail close to the coastlines because they were afraid if they went too far out that they would sail off the ends of the earth. And there was also taught to them that there was monsters and dragons and all kinds of scary beasts that were out there in the seas and 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 so it was better to stay close and this was firmly embedded in their minds and in their consciousness and there was a man by the name of Galileo that came along and he challenged that that way of thinking he said first of all I don't believe that the earth like you believe is the center of the universe I believe the sun is the center of the universe and all the planets orbit around it and and uh, so that challenged them and he said another thing I, I, I hate to break it to you but I I think that through my hypothesis that I'm correct that that this earth is not flat but it's round and they nearly killed him for it matter of fact they forced him to recant and the legend is that when they did force him to recant that under his breath he said but it's still round I've met people that hard-headed before But there was a young man by the name of Christopher Columbus that boarded a boat under the Queen of Spain and, and her allowing him to do so. And, and he sailed out for what he thought would be India. And, of course, he didn't end up in India, but he did find a new world. And it was after that that people began, commerce began and people began to sail. And, and it was no longer thought that the world was flat. I'm, I'm going to tell you the devil can get things in our minds and in our consciousness that is simply not the truth and it's not the way it is. The Bible said, let the word of God be true and every man a liar. And the word of God says that my God is able to transform a person's life. Come on, you believe that? I said, is he able to transform a person's life? Do we have a testimony of anybody in this house that he has transformed your life? Is there anybody in this place you were lost, you were wretched? It seemed like there was no hope, there was no way out. You tried other things, but thank God you came to an altar. Thank God the blood covered you and cleansed you and washed away your sins. And you're here today because of the transformative power of the Holy Ghost that is able to change you. Praise God. You can't let the devil put a brand on you. You've got to reject it. 
1886, Walter George broke the world record for running the mile. He ran it in four minutes, 12 and three-quarter seconds. When you, I mean, when you're gauging running the mile, it gets down to milliseconds. I mean, it gets down to just, just I mean, it's not just a second, but it's, they, they get down to measuring half seconds and quarter seconds. And never, never was that record broke until 1923, 36 years later. And it was only broken then by two seconds. The man that broke the record ran it in four minutes and ten seconds. And that record stood for another 31 years. It was branded on people's minds that the four-minute mile was just something that was beyond human capability. It was just a limitation that, that could not be broken. There was a young boy that was born by the name of Roger Bannister. And when he was just a child, Roger Bannister developed some kind of rare disease. And there was two young men in the area that he lived that had this. He and one other young man that was diagnosed, rather, with this disease. And the doctors told his parents in front of him, said, this boy right here will never walk. These boys will never, they told both sets of parents, they'll never walk. They'll never become uh, able to, to get around like everybody else. This is just one of the facts that, that you have to accept with this disease. And it wasn't long after that that Roger Bannister told his mother, said, one day I will walk. And he said, you want to know how, Mama? She said, how, Roger? He said, because I'm going to learn how to run. And if I can learn how to run, I know I'll be able to walk. Amen. That's the kind of mentality we need. Is God, I'm not just shooting for something out here. It's kind of like the old, old fella said. He said, you need to aim for the stars. and Maybe you'll land up on the moon, but at least you're shooting for something. Maybe you get a goal out here that you're trying to reach for. And so uh, Roger did learn how to run. One day his mother looked out and saw him, and, and he was running down the driveway, and he, he kept practicing, kept running. And until uh, May 6, 1954, he broke through the four-minute mile and ran it in three minutes, 59.4 seconds, and broke a record that had been in existence, or the four-minute mile, uh, the record there had been in existence 67 years. And he broke through. Amen. And now it seems like a whole pile of people has broke through. That's not even something anybody even thinks about anymore, the four-minute mile. Matter of fact, uh, there's some of them that are running it uh, well under four minutes nowadays. That's just screaming. That's 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 running fast because somebody broke through and the mentality shifted 
and, and there, was a, there was a shift in people's thinking that took place and they said, you know, this is possible. This can happen. This, this can be done. Can I preach to you? The devil wants to put limitations on you. He wants to brand things into your consciousness that are simply not the truth and you need to make a liar. I said, you need to make the devil out to be the liar that he is. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to do what they told me. He told me. He condemned me with and said I could never do the very thing that he pointed his finger in my face and accused me that I'd never overcome. I'm going to come to the house of God and I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be an overcomer. That other young man that they diagnosed or said that had this same disease, they brought him back in several years later. The same doctors began to examine him. And they said, we've got some news for you. In one hand, it's good news. On the other hand, it's terrible. And that is that this boy never did have the disease. One of them that did have the disease, Roger Bannister, said, I'm going to get up, and I'm not only going to walk, but I'm going to run, and he broke world records. And another boy said, well, that's what they told me I've got. And they told me what the prognosis was, that this is just the way, this is what I've got accepted. And he laid down, and he never got back up again. I'm going to tell you something. That's what the devil wants to do to people that I'm preaching to right here this morning. He wants you to get down and never make a recovery. He wants you to never get back up again. But somebody just right now needs to stomp your feet in the devil's face and make up your mind, I'm not going to accept this. You're not going to get an advantage on me. You're not going to brand me. I reject that. I reject that. I reject that. I shake that off. I'm not going to take that. That's not the way it is. Devil, you are a liar and the father of all lies. Would you stand to your feet with me right now? Let's lift up our hands to God and give him praise together. I'm going to tell you, faith always has to press in. Doubt is often just accepted. The negative is always just, well, I guess that's true. Things that are bad, we learn how to embrace them. We learn how to accept them. We just say, yeah, that's, that's probably right. That's probably the way it is. Because of our negative mindset, because of that's just being one of human Humanity's innate things that we have to overcome. But, oh, thanks be to God that there's people that have faith that said, I'm going to press in. Jesus is on his way through a throng of people to Jairus' house, and time is short. And, and, and that little girl of Jairus is drawing her last breaths, and, and she's dying. And, uh, 
and, and, and as they're making their way up on the property where Jairus' house is, is at, there's people that run out, though, those doubters that were in that house. They ran out and said, don't trouble the master anymore. It's too late. It's all over with. Just accepted. She's died. She didn't get here quick enough. It didn't happen. But faith pressed its way in and said, I'm going to come anyway. I refuse the limitations that doubt has tried to put on the situation. I refuse the limitations uh, that the enemy has tried to impose in this situation. I'm going to press. Doubt, get out of the house. Uh, amen. But I'm going to come in and I'm going to speak life. Uh, I'm going to speak hope. Uh, I'm going to speak that there is a way. Uh, hallelujah. That there can be a change. Uh, that there can be a difference. Uh, that, that we can overcome. I want to preach to somebody. Maybe the devil's told you that you have never get back up because of mistakes made and, and because of snares that you fell into that the enemy set. He's tried to tell you that it's never going to happen. You'll never be anything. You'll never become. This is what you have to you may be saved but you'd be like that you'd be like that lamb that Amos talked about. There'd just be some fragments and You'll have to just learn to live with the scars of it all. And you've embraced that and you've accepted that. And you've taken that to be the truth. I want to tell you something. That's not the way it is. God is able. God can. Amen. Why don't you reach over to somebody and let's pray right now together. Would you pray with me? Come on, let's pray together right now. Somebody needs to reject the brand that the devil's trying to sear upon your mind and your consciousness. Somebody needs to reject the brand of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray, church. Let's pray, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't be swallowed up, as Paul said in sorrow, unbelief, in doubt, in hopelessness. Don't drown in the fears and the unbelief of just accepting limitations that the devil's tried to impose on you. But come to this altar this morning and say, God, you're a God of hope. You're a God of change. You're a God of transformation. You're a God of turning things around. You're a God of making a way where there seemeth to be no way, the Bible says. You're a God that provides an opening where the devil has tried to slam the door in my face. Hallelujah. Is there somebody that would like to come to this altar this morning? Is there somebody that would like to step out and say, God, I've been praying about things, and I'll admit I've been struggling within myself. I've been struggling and battling in my mind. The devil has tried to impose limitations on my prayers and on my faith and on my belief in God. But I'm not going to accept that this morning. Oh, I'm not going to accept that as the, the final say today. God, you brought me too far. You've done too much. 
there's too much for me to be thankful for and appreciative of for me just to accept that. I've got too many testimonies and I've heard too many too many praise reports of the things that you have done. Areas, God, that you've helped us in. Things, God, that you blessed us with. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's pray. Come on, church. Let's cry out to God. Somebody, we got plenty of time here this morning. Somebody call on the name of the Lord. Somebody lift up your voice to God. Oh, devil, you're a liar. You're the accuser of the brethren. I will not. I refuse to accept that. I, I refuse and I reject that brand that you pl- tried to place upon me. I'm not going to allow you to sear that on my heart and mind that I'll never be anything for God. That my prayers will never go any further. That my relationship with God will always be impeded. Oh, no. I'm overcoming that today. I'm going to go beyond that today. Come on, church. We need to reach out to the Lord. Come on person that's reaching out to God right now. God's trying to help you. Oh, yes. God's trying to speak into your heart and life. God's speaking to your mind here this morning. God's lifting that brand off of you. God's giving you hope. Why don't you seek out somebody here to pray with?